Welcome to the Study His Word podcast, brought to you by Fear and the Faith, where we read through the Bible from Genesis to Revelation in just one year. The Bible is full of great wisdom and stories that we can use to better our Christ-like walk every day. Join us on our mission to get one million people to read the Bible cover to cover. Visit studyhisword.com for more info, resources we have available, upcoming projects, and events. So we've got 2 Samuel 19 through 21. So let's get going here. All righty. Joab was told, the king is weeping and mourning for Absalom. And for the whole army, the victory that day was turned into mourning. Because of the day, the troops heard it said, the king is grieving for his son. The men stole into the city that day as men steal in who are ashamed when they flee from battle. The king covered his face and cried aloud, oh, my son, Absalom. Absalom, my son, my son. Then Joab went into the house to the king and said, Today you have humiliated all your men who have just saved your life and the lives of your sons and daughters and the lives of your wives and concubines. You love those who hate you and hate those who love you. You have made it clear today that the commanders and their men mean nothing to you. I see that you would be pleased if Absalom were alive today and all of us were dead. Now go out and encourage your men. I swear by the Lord that if you don't go out, not a man will be left with you by nightfall. This will be worse for you than the calamities that have come on you from your from your youth until now. So the king got up and took his seat in the gateway. When the men were told, the king is sitting in the gateway, they all came before him. Meanwhile, the Israelites had fled to their homes. Throughout the tribes of Israel, all the people were arguing among themselves, saying, the king delivered us from the hand of our enemies. He is the one who has rescued us from the hand of the Philistines. But now he has fled the country to escape from Absalom. And Absalom, whom we anointed to rule over us, has died in battle. So why do you say nothing about bringing the king back? King David sent this message to Zadok and Abiathar, the priests. Ask the elders for Judah. Ask the elders of Judah. Why should you be the last to bring the king back to his palace? since what is being said throughout Israel has reached the king at his quarters. You are my relatives, my own flesh and blood, so why should you be the last to bring back the king? And say to Amasa, are you not my own flesh and blood? May God deal with me, be it ever so severely, if you are not the commander of my army for life in place of Joab. He won over the hearts of the men of Judah, so that they were all in, of one mind. They sent word to the king, Return, you and all your men. Then the king returned and went as far as the Jordan. <clears throat> now the men of Judah had come to Gilgal to go out and meet the king and bring him across the Jordan. Shimei, son of Gura, the Benjamite from Bahurim, hurried down with the men of Judah to meet King David. With him were a, th were a thousand Benjamites along with Ziba, the steward of Saul's household, and his 15 sons and 20 servants. They rushed to the Jordan where the king was. They crossed at, at the ford to take the king's household over and to do whatever he wished. When Shemai, son of Gura, crossed the Jordan, he fell prostrate, prostrate before the king and said to him, May my lord not hold me guilty. Do not remember how your servant did wrong on the day my lord the king left Jerusalem. May the king put it out of his mind. For I, your servant, know that I have sinned, but today I have come here as the first from the tribes of Joseph to come down and meet my lord, the king. Then Abishai, 
son of Zer- Zeriah, said, shouldn't Shemai be put to death for this? He cursed the Lord's anointed. David replied, what does this have to do with you, you sons of Zariah? What right do you have to interfere? Should anyone be put to death in Israel today? Do I know that today I am king over Israel? So the king said to Shemai, you shall not die. And the king promised him an oath. Mephibosheth. Mephibosheth, Saul's grandson, also went down to meet the king. He had not taken care of his feet or trimmed his mustache or washed his clothes from the day the king left until the day he returned safely. When he came from Jerusalem to meet the king, the king asked him, why didn't you go with Mephibosheth? (laughs) He said, my lord, the king, since I, your servant, am lame, I said, I will have my donkey saddled and will ride on it so I can go with the king. But Ziba, my servant, betrayed me, and he has slandered your servant to my lord the king. My lord the king is like an angel of God, so do whatever you wish. All my grandfather's descendants deserve nothing but death for my lord the king. But you gave your servant a place among those who eat at your table. So what right do I have to make any more appeals to the king? The king said to him, why say more? I order you and Ziba to divide the land. Mephibosheth. Sheth said to the king, let him take everything. Now that my lord, the king has returned home safely. Barzillai, the Giladite, also came down from Rojalem to cross the Jordan with the king and to send him on his way from there. Now Barzillai was very old, 80 years of age. He had provided for the king during his stay in Mahanam, for he was a very wealthy man. The king said to Barzillai, Cross over with me and stay with me in Jerusalem, and I will provide for you. But Barzillai answered the king, How many more years will I live that I should go up to Jerusalem with the king? I am now 80 years old. Can I tell the difference between what is enjoyable and what is not? Can your servant taste what he eats and drinks? Can I still hear the voices of male and female singers? Why should your servant be an added burden to my lord the king? Your servant will cross over the Jordan with the king for a short distance, but why should the king reward me in this way? Let your servant return, that I may die in my own town, near the tomb of my father and mother. But here is your servant, Kimham. Let him cross over with my lord the king. Do for him whatever you wish. The king said, Kimham shall cross over with me, and I will do for him whatever you wish, and anything you desire from me I will do for you. So all the people crossed the Jordan, and then the king crossed over. The king kissed Barzillai and bid him farewell, and Barzillai returned to his home. When the king crossed over to Gilgal, Gilgal, Kinham crossed with him. All the troops of Judah and half the troops of Israel had taken the king over. Soon all the men of Israel were coming to the king and saying to him, Why did our brothers, the men of Judah, steal the king away and bring him and his household across the Jordan together with all his men? All the men of Judah answered the men of Israel, We did this because the king is closely related to us. Why are you angry about it? Have we eaten any of the king's provisions? Have we taken anything for ourselves? Then the men of Israel answered the men of Judah. We have 10 shares in the king. So we have a great claim on David, a greater claim on David than you have. Why then do you treat us with contempt? Weren't we the first to speak of bringing back our king? But the men of Judah pressed their claims even more forcefully than the men of Israel. That was the end of 19. Second Samuel 20. Here we go. 
Now a troublemaker named Sheba, son of Bikri, a Benjamite, happened to be there. He sounded the trumpet and shouted, We have no share in David, no part in Jesse's son. Every man to his tent, Israel. So all the men of Israel deserted David to follow Sheba, son of Bikri. But the men of Judah stayed by their king all the way from the Jordan to Jerusalem. When David returned to his palace in Jerusalem, he took the ten concubines he had left to take care of the palace and put them in a house under guard. He provided for them, but had no sexual relations with them. They were kept in confinement till the day of their death, living as widows. Then the king said to Amasa, Summon the men of Judah to come to me within three days and be here yourself. But when Amasa went to summon Judah, he took longer than the king had set, him, set for him. David said to Abishai, Now Sheba, son of Bikri, will do, more, do us more harm than Absalom did. Take your master's men and pursue him, or he will find fortified cities and escape from us. So Joab's men and the Carathites and the Pelethites and the mighty warriors went under the command of Abishai. They marched out from Jerusalem to pursue Sheba, son of Bikri. While they were at the great rock in Gibeon, Amasa came to meet them. Joab was wearing his military tunic and strapped over it. At his waist was a belt with a dagger in its sheath. And he stepped, as he stepped forward, it dropped out of its sheath. Joab said to Amasa, How are you, my brother? Then Joab took Amasa by the beard with his right hand to kiss him. Amasa was not on his guard against the dagger in Joab's hand. And Joab plunged it into his belly, and his intestines spilled out on the ground. Without being stabbed again, Amasa died. Then Joab and his brother, Abishai, pursued Sheba, son of Bikri. One of Joab's men stood beside Amasa and said, Whoever favors Joab and whoever is for David, let him follow Joab. Amasa lay wallowing in his blood in the middle of the road, and the, ma the man saw that all the troops came to a halt there. When he realized that everyone who came up to Amasa stopped, he dragged him from the road into a field and threw a garment over him. After Amasa had been removed from the road, everyone went on with Joab to pursue Sheba, son of Bikri. Sheba passed through all the tribes of Israel to, Ab to Abel Beth Makkah and through the entire regions of the Bikrites who gathered together and followed him. All the troops with Joab came and besieged Sheba and Abel Beth Makkah. They built they built a siege ramp up to the city, and it stood against the outer fortifications. While they were battering the wall to bring it down, a wise woman called from the city. Listen, listen, tell Joab to come here so I can speak to him. He went toward her, and she asked, Are you Joab? I am, he answered. She said, Listen to what your servant has to say. I'm listening, he said. She continued, Long ago they used to say, Get your answers out of Bell. And that settled it. We are the peaceful and faithful in Israel. You are trying to destroy a city that is a mother in Israel. Why do you want to swallow up the, the Lord's inheritance? Far be it from me, Job replied. Far be it from me to swallow up or destroy. That is not the case. A man named Sheba, son of Bikri from the hill country of Ephraim, has lifted up his hand against the king, against David. Hand over this one man and all withdraw from the city. The woman said to Joab, his head will be thrown to you from the wall. Then the woman went to all the people with her wise advice, and they cut off the head of Sheba, son of Bikri, and threw it to Joab. So he sounded the trumpet, and his men dispersed from the city, each returning to his home. And Joab went back to the king in Jerusalem. Joab was over Israel's entire army. Benani, son of Jehodai, 
Jeho, Jehoiada, was over the Kerithites and the Pelethites. Adoniram was in charge of forced labor. Jehoshaphat, son of Ahilad, was recorder. Shiva was secretary. Zadok and Abathar were priests. And Ira and Jerite was David's priests. That is 20. 2 Samuel 21. Here we go. During the reign of David, there was a famine for three successive years. So David sought the face of the Lord. The Lord said, it is on account of Saul and his blood-stained house. It is because he put the Gib Gibbonites to death. The king summoned the Gibbonites and spoke to them. Now the Gibbonites were not a part of Israel, but were survivors of the Amorites. The Israelites had sworn to spare them, but Saul in his zeal for Israel and Judah had tried to annihilate them. David asked the Gibbonites, what shall I do for you? How shall I make atonement so that you will bless the Lord's inheritance? The Gibbonites answered him, we have no right to demand silver or gold from Saul and his family, <clears throat> nor do we have the right to put anyone in Israel to death. What do you want me to do for you? David asked. They answered the king. As for the man who destroyed us and plotted against us so that we have been decimated and have no place anywhere in Israel, let seven of his male descendants be given to us to be killed and their bodies exposed before the Lord at Gebal of Saul, the Lord's chosen one. So the king said, I will give them to you. The king spared Mephibosheth, son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, because of the oath before the Lord between David and Jonathan, son of Saul. But the king took Armoni and Mephisbosheth, the two sons of Aya's daughter, Rizpah, whom she had borne to Saul, together with the five sons of Saul's daughter, Merib, whom she had borne to Adriel, son of Barzillai, the Meholathite. He handed them over to the Gibbonites, who killed them and exposed their bodies on a hill before the Lord. All seven of them fell together. They were put to death during the first days of the harvest, just as the barley harvest was beginning. Rizpah, daughter of Aya, took sackcloth and spread it out for herself on a rock. From the beginning of the harvest till the rain poured down from the heavens on the bodies, she did not let the birds touch, touch them by day or the wild animals by night. When David was told that Aya's daughter Rizpah, Saul's concubine, had done, he went and took the bones of Saul, and his son Jonathan from the citizens of Jabesh Gilead. They had stolen their bodies from the public square of Beth Shan, where the Philistines had hung them after they struck Saul down in Gilboa. David brought the bones of Saul and his son Jonathan from there, and the bones of those who had been killed and exposed were gathered up. They buried the bones of Saul and his son Jonathan in the tomb of Saul's father, Kish, at Zelah and Benjamin, and did everything the king commanded. After that, God answered prayer in behalf of the land. Once again, there was a battle between the Philistines and Israel. David went down with his men to fight against the Philistines, and he became exhausted. And Ishba Benob, one of the descendants of Rapha, whose bronze spearhead weighed 300 shekels, and who was army with a new sword, said he would kill David. But Abishai, son of Zariah, came to David's rescue. He struck the Philistine down and killed him. Then David's men swore to him, saying, Never again will you go out without, go out with us to battle so that the lamp of Israel will not be extinguished. In the course of time, there was another battle with the Philistines at Gob. At the time, Sibachai, the Hushathite, 
killed Saph, one of the descendants of Rapha. In another battle with the Philistines at Gob, Elhanan, son of Jar, the Bethelite, killed the brother of Goliath, the Gittite, who had a spear with a shaft like a weaver's rod. In still another battle, which took place at Gath, there was a huge man with six fingers on each hand and six toes on each foot, 24 in all. He also was a descendant from Rapha. When he taunted Israel, Jonathan, son of Shemiah, David's brother, killed him. These four were the descendants of Rapha and Gath, and they fell at the hands of David and his men. That is the end of 21. That concludes our reading for the day. Thanks for taking a little bit of your day to listen to the Word. We hope today's message really spoke to you. Remember, you can find more resources, connect with us, or sign up to get weekly readings on our website, studyhisword.com. Until next time, God bless you, and may His light shine upon you.